Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. Texans are back at home after two-game road stretch. They're taking on the Chargers. We are talking about this week's matchup. What do the Texans need to do to get a win, you guys? Uh, Come on. Is Come that on the now. initial question? The, we're going right the, to the goal we're line. We're going to just get right to it. Let's just waste get right any time it. there. I like <laughs> this. I like this very much. You know what they we're need to do? We're going to fast the way that we want. The, we're, that's how we're going to run the show. They've been telling you what they need to do. Close out, finish, however you want to word it. Score a point or two. Well, preferably more than that. And you can't really get one. But in the fourth quarter, please. They're playing a team they beat last year, which was... Really great win, but you can't really talk about last year. It's a very different Charger team. Actually, in some ways, this one might be more depleted because of the injury bug and the way Herbert's ribs might be feeling, may or may not, with the numbness or whatever he's going to be feeling after they get done with him medically before the game, if you catch my drift. But that's it. Play better in the fourth quarter. How about that for football analysis? I got one. Give Damian Pierce the ball a little bit more. And if not that, just keep him in the game. A little bit more than you already have. Mm. It's gone up each week as far as touches, all that stuff, snaps. In the first week, I can't remember when the last time he was, he touched the ball, but I believe it was the third quarter. The next week, it was the 11.30 mark. And this week, he didn't touch the ball for the last six minutes of the game. Yeah. Even if he does not touch on the ball, make sure he's in there. Just spread out that time out that he's in the game with the offense so it's the whole way through and not you don't see him at the end. I, I think you got to have him in the game. This offense is a totally different animal when he is. There are more fangs with this offense when he's in it. All right, so four third-and-one situations in the game. If you look through them all, Damian Pierce got the ball on one of those. Yeah. It was a loss. Sure. So that was the one where Kenyon Green was injured on the play. The other three short passes incomplete. I think you're onto something. I mean, granted, that's only one out of four, but more third-and-one situations. Lovey wants to convert them more. Maybe you just go with... The short, easy, keep it simple, stupid, run the play. I'm not saying, hey, every third and one you must give to Pierce. I'm just saying in general, have him. He wasn't on the field for the last six and a half minutes. Well, I think, I think because he well, fumbled the for and the I second understand, time. But rookies are going to make mistakes and he didn't lose the fumble. And part of that's right. just luck because of the way the ball is shaped. But let's send him out there. and Let's send that offense out there with all the ammo at your disposal. You know, it's funny because with Pierce being a rookie, it's kind of like having a, a rookie quarterback who yep. might throw a pick or two, but they get a lot of production anyway, right? And you want to clean that up. And obviously you want to clean up fumbles, but they didn't lose them. So that's a good thing. I just think he's your best offensive player right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get the line involved in this conversation, but really when you look at it, Cooks is an outstanding receiver, but this year hasn't been outstanding for him just yet, and it's not all his fault. You have to be able to find ways to get him the football. But as far as productivity right now, Pierce is the guy, and we'll see how they handle him against the Chargers. I think if I'm Jeff Driscoll, I'm very offended right now because when Jeff Driscoll <laughs> enters the game, it's a little bit exciting, and I was disappointed that they didn't call him up from practice squad. I know they can only do it three times, but I really thought at some point we're just going to see him on the active roster, and then that'll just be part of the game Maybe. plan. Well, right? I, I just thought it's it's very, very telling over the last couple of weeks we've heard, hey, we've got to finish, we've got to finish, we've got to finish from Lovey Smith, all the assistants, all the players. And then last week before the game, Lovey Smith said, we got to finish. But Damian Pierce is actually an example of somebody who is finishing when he's in the game. And yeah. when he gets the ball, he finishes runs and he punishes these these guys on the other team. And we saw him doing that for a good stretch of last week's game, the week before. So let's have him in there. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Let's have him in there. And yeah, he's gonna make there's gonna be a time when he probably does fumble a game away from you. But I think if you give him the chance and give him the opportunities, more good will come from it he's as gonna opposed have to, to 
the he, bad. He's going to have to play through that. You're absolutely right. And just like you're playing Mills here to see what he can do, to see if he can develop into a starter yeah. and that kind of thing, uh, you know, long-time starter, I should say, Pierce should be handled maybe the same way, and I think he will be, Drew. I think he got more carries yeah. this time than last time than the time before. More yardage. They had more, more yardage catches. as a team. Yep. They still have yet to rush for 100 yards as a team. That's tough, man. That is really difficult to accept, but you have to. You're where you are after three games, and maybe they can increase the production on Sunday. I'm torn on this because I love watching Damian Pierce out there, but I can see the flip side of it. I mean, I think – Two um, one fumble. The first fumble, he was right back in there, which I was happy right. to see. Second fumble, you feel like the game is right there in your hands. He fumbles it. It's dangerously, you know, close to the end zone. There, mm. you, you, I mean, you have to make an example out of it. The difference is like. Davis Mills can throw two interceptions, but a quarterback is just such a different position than a running back and then a rookie at that. So I understand why they did have to just take him out of the game, but. You know, you, you you hope that that teaches him a lesson moving forward. He does have to go through it. But, I, I mean, I can't fault them for taking him out there. I, I was more upset the week before when he left the game early because I didn't I didn't see why he didn't play for that majority well, of the fourth quarter. Well, I think the week before, I saw – it looked like there was a mix-up before a play. Uh, with he, Davis yeah. Mills pre-snap was communicating with him, and then the ball gets snapped. Mills goes to hand off, and there was nobody around him. He, I think he expected Pierce to be there – didn't get the breakdown on it, but I'm, I'm, there clearly was a right. miscommunication from those two, and I think that's one of the reasons he didn't get back in. But I'm just, I'm not. But I'm, then he fumbled early in, against Chicago. Of course, gets of course. right back into it again. I'm saying, I'm, you know, I'm with you as far as hey, bring him out for a little bit and talk to him, but send him back in. Send him don't, back don't, in. Yeah. don't go such long stretches of time without him on your offensive. All right, well, the Jags and the Colts are both sitting at two and one. Tennessee and the Texans both have two losses each. What does the team need to do to get over the hump? Lovey Smith says this team is really close. We're close, and that's what you want to be first. I mean, it's a lot of foot. There's a lot of football left to go in the season, and each week we're learning something. But and it seemed like we're getting closer and closer. You know, an overtime game, and then it seemed like one possession right at the end. But the focus first has to be on doing more before we get to the end of the game. That's what we're seeing. You know, just playing the run better earlier. I talked about the third and one situations. So it's really that. And I just know that the guys at the end, it's not like we're exhausted or something like that. The guys are playing hard. We just got to play a little bit better ball at the end. That's encouraging to hear Lovey Smith say that. I think that the football gods have shined down on the Texans through three games, even though they haven't won any. Look at all the injuries that have been on the opposing side of the ball. You've got last week, David Montgomery goes out early, doesn't come back. Jerry Judy the week before. This week, you've got a really banged up Justin Herbert. They've lost their left tackle for the season. Joey Bosa is probably not going to play. You've got all these opportunities to win the game. You come really close, and all you need to do is score like a field goal or a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You're yeah. so close. But yet, it feels like we're 0-3, Mark, does it not? Uh, it does feel like 0-3. In fact, I keep forgetting it's not 0-3. <laughs> it's 0-2-1. <laughs> and we've been talking about this, how because a tie is a neutral result, it feels the way the rest of the games have gone, mm. right? If you'd won these last two, it'd feel like a win. But since you lost these last two, feels like a loss. Don't ask me what would happen if you split because they didn't do that. We are where we are. But they are close. Yes, I said this in the offseason. I said this publicly. They could be a better team and have a similar record, but the games are closer because last year you had all those blowouts. Maybe they don't get blown out this year. Maybe they find a way to stay in these games and have similar situations. Maybe they prevail from here on out. I don't know. You have a lot of games left. 
you just have to see what happens on Sunday. It's tough to digest. But the things that you thought were going to improve this year did not necessarily improve. You thought your offense would be better. You saw what Davis Mills did in the second stretch of last year. I think just seeing him early in camp, you thought, wow, the chemistry that he's going to have with Nico Collins is going to be really good. Haven't really seen him really emerge yet. You've seen him get a couple of big chunk plays, but definitely want to see more of that. You thought the tight ends would get really involved. Well, they kind of have. They I mean, have. It's been different every single week, well, but they've also touch, banged up. Three touchdown receptions by the tight ends, and nobody who was in training camp with this team. <laughs> that's so that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that is a wild stat right there. Yeah, it, it. One thing that is better is the run game. You're running the ball better than 3.4 yards that per carry true. last year, and you're yep. doing that with a, a guy in, in Pierce who – he only got four yards of carry this last week, and it doesn't feel like that because of some of the stuff, the great stuff he was doing. But you know, it's like you said, where he gets a three-yard loss on a third and one, and mm. that, that'll add up and take away from the gains. But what you're seeing from him is tantalizing, and I think I still think the dam's going to break here soon, and he is going to have a day. He's going to have days where we are just walking away laughing at how good things are. After the first half of action the other day, I thought, this is the day he gets yeah. to 100. Mm-hmm. And this could be a Texans win. You know, you had a very close game at the half. You did some things on offense. Let's see what you can do in the second half. But again, the fourth quarter just wasn't there for them. You're 20 to 20 going into the fourth and nothing in the fourth. When you look at the stat sheet for the Texans at the end of the game, it feels like you're looking at three quarters of stats. You know, at the end of the game, you're looking at 80 yards for Pierce. You're thinking it was only 80, mm-hmm. and 80's nice, you know. I mean, Derrick Henry has yet to get to 100 this year, but we're not going to evaluate against that. You're going to evaluate where you are, and where you are is improved on the ground, but not where you want it to be. And through the air, DP, you said the Mills-Nico Collins chemistry that's not there yet. You're not seeing that with anybody, with any receiver right now. Well, the Brandon Cooks connection is odd, too, because you saw what he was able to do last year with Cooks, and you just think, okay, year two, he's had the entire offseason. They've had the entire offseason together. It's just really surprising considering what you expected from your top receiver. And and maybe that's just a function of not having enough weapons out on the field. I don't really know, but I think that's been something that's been quite surprising this year. The offense is not flowing. Let's just put it that way. I thought with this much ground production, based on the way that Mills' arm situation was last year, that you'd be able to get some yards through the air. You'd be able to have a good, effective passing game because you're running the football better. This much better last year, I feel like, would have gotten you two, three more wins. But it's not happening this year just yet. We'll see. It's still early, but I know people don't want to hear that. All you can do is try to do better against the Chargers. Lots of football left. In fact, up on Sunday, the Texans are going to host the Chargers. They played the Chargers in Week 16 of last year. Justin Herbert threw for a touchdown and two interceptions and that 41 to 29 win for Houston. Gosh, 41 points. That's how many. And that was like the COVID ridden game where everybody was out with COVID. Uh, Desmond King, who played from the, for the Chargers from 2017 to part of 2020, he knows the challenges of facing a guy like Herbert. Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, with Herbert and um, I know his ability and what he can do. And when he gets out of the pocket, he does the same thing. That he does in the pocket. He has a good arm. He's a good quarterback. Um, he know how to, he's smart with the ball. He know how to make those plays down the field. He's a tough guy. He's going to sit there and take the hit. He's going to move the pocket. So what we got to do is continue to do our job and contain him, and you know try to get him off his spot. And Herbert comes back even more banged up this week. I'm shocked that he played the entirety of that 38 to 10 lost to the Jaguars. I mean, I thought at some point they would say, okay, the game's out of hand, take him out. I mean, he was taking some hits. 
So I, I'm not really sure how they're going to handle this situation heading into this week. If he's going to miss practice all week and then just show up and play on Sunday, if that's going to be enough to do it. He's feeling it. I mean, I can't imagine how bad he felt after this game oh. because he went into it mm. just severely injured mm-hmm. and then goes through an NFL game. I don't care if, you, if you're untouched almost. You're still going to feel it. I mean, but he, sure. he got roughed up. And he got roughed up with one of the injuries that is so dang hard to fight through to live through, to breathe through. Uh, David Faraday, the golfer, once broke his ribs in a bike accident. And a little bit after that, he was at Augusta. He was in a house eating breakfast with Vern Lundquist. And he said he sneezed and he was on the floor, you know, almost coughing up blood and just in such pain. And he Mm -hmm. said Lundquist kind of just looked over at him and kept eating his cereal. But he said (laughs) it was one of the worst things he'd ever felt in his life. This is a guy just sneezing. Yeah. With a rib injury. Sneezing is a very violent act to your body. It sure is. And so is playing NFL yeah. football. So that's the basic that's the basic point is what I'm saying is yeah. there's gonna be lots of sneezing for, for Justin Herbert in an NFL game, and there's more to come. I, Andre once said, I think it was a broken clavicle, or it might have been a rib, I don't know, but he said it hurt to smile. <laughs> Just I bet. Hurt to yeah. smile. Sure. Yeah. Uh I, if he got it numbed, if Herbert got it numbed, can you imagine when that shot that's wears saying, off? That's what I'm saying. When the it wears after, off, oh. you're like, oh, boy, I don't know, Advil, please. Mm. The other thing about this is just because he played last Sunday doesn't mean, oh, it's all better now right. a week later. He played, so it magically cures. No, remember Watson in 2018 with the collapsed lung and rib problems, whatever else he had when he had to take the bus to Jacksonville. And everyone's looking at the numbers the next few weeks, like, you know, it's not he's not throwing the ball that great. What do you expect? What you think this heals in a week or two or three? No, this is gonna take four, five, six weeks to really get better. And that's presuming you don't re-aggravate it in game action. So Herbert's gonna be nicked up for a while. I assume he plays, but he's gonna take some hits and there is gonna be some pain. Well, how about the fact that they're starting left tackle, their Pro Bowl left tackles yeah, out for the bad. season? I mean, yeah. I think it's just a recipe for disaster when it comes. Well, and, and hey, we, we we called out and talked about the Texans' run defense earlier in the show. On the flip side, you got to look at what they've been able to do as far as getting to the quarterback and getting sacks. They're doing okay in that regard. They've, they've gotten after the quarterback. Jerry Hughes, another couple sacks this last weekend. I mean, Jonathan Grenard had one of oh, – they can get after the guy, and they can mm-hmm. do some damage. So does that continue? And does that continue against – this depleted offensive line that you're talking about, DP. No Rashawn Slater. That is a perfect segue into my third quick hit. Bright mm. spot so far. It has to be the pass rush. It's put up 10 sacks through three games. Like you mentioned, Jerry Hughes, he's put up four of those sacks. So he had two in week one, two in week three. He's also got three TFLs, four quarterback hits, an interception, a pass defense, a forced fumble. Jonathan Grenard talked to the media today. He said he hopes some of that juju rubs off on him. He's playing. He's flying around. I want some of that good juju, too. So um, I think overall he, he he's balling, dog. And I think that's, as you know, it's helping our defense and giving us that spark. And obviously him being 13 years, you would like, how does this old dude giving you a spark? Um, he's balling, man. And I, I keep taking notes from that. And I, like I said, it's going to continue to come moving forward. And we'll all continue to get on that level for sure. Okay. I, I couldn't resist, so I mm. had to go on pace, guy. And so at this rate, Jerry Hughes is going to have 22.67 nice. through 17 games. Awesome. Isn't that it. amazing? He's Let's going for the NFL record this <laughs> year. <laughs> He's well, look, totally making the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I haven't read the release yet, full disclosure, but it's only Tuesday, and I haven't fully game prepped. But this is one of the best starts in the history of this franchise to have four through three games. It just is. It feels like it I'm not is. saying it's the best. It's one of the best. 
So that's good stuff. That's good news right there. Uh, By the way, are you ready to hear? Maybe this is good for the next segment. Should I save this? Or do you have more right now, DB? Um, Are you asking me like right this second? I'm asking you right this second because I want to name. I want to know what you've got going on. The starting lineup on the offensive line for last year's game against the Chargers. Oh, this is. (laughs) Jimmy Morrissey was the center. Yes. Titus Howard was a left tackle. Mm-mm. No, was he even Jaron playing? Christian. Oh, to- Cole Toner at left guard, Morrissey at center, Max Sharping right guard, Charlie Heck right tackle. The Texans run for 189 yards what? on the Chargers, including 149 yards by Rex Burkhead. That's right. He had a it's a Rex game. day. Play Rex. <laughs> that is a crazy offensive line set. Everybody had COVID that game, mm-hmm. and the Chargers were on a tear. And yep. it felt like it was going to be one of those lops, really bad lopsided losses like we had a few of last year. And the fact that the Texans were so competent in that game, let alone dominant in that game. J.O. J.O. had uh, his first career interception. Mm-hmm. Javier Thomas Owens, yeah. scored a, a pick, pick six. six. The defense really came out big in that game. Which is what Lovey's been saying this year is that you know if, if the defense needs to, needs to score as well, like yep. if the offense isn't performing, the defense has to step it up and vice versa. Mills twenty one of twenty seven, two hundred fifty four yards. Guess who else didn't play? Brandon Cooks did mm-hmm. not play That's in right. this game. Brevin Jordan and Chris Moore led the way with four catches apiece, and Conley caught a touchdown pass. So did Nico. That was I Nico's. Mean, first, I believe it right? was. First yeah, that was touchdown. when they were trying to kill the clock too. It yeah, was mm-hmm. late the in the game and. Mm-hmm. Got the points at the end. I think that that throw, I've cited that throw and the throw that Mills made in the fourth quarter against the Jags the week before to Cooks to try to kill the clock. Those two throws showed me something something in the fourth quarter. Got to see that this year. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it yet this year, that kind of production in the final frame. I mean, I think that's the part that's sort of befuddling to everyone is, is that last year you didn't really have a lot of expectations once you knew that Tyrod Taylor wasn't your guy, you just put Davis in there. You want to see what he had. But this year, you kind of thought, especially with the way the season ended last year, that you know the production should be even better. I know he's done a good job of protecting the ball. On Sunday, he threw a couple of interceptions. I mean, I'm okay with that, too, because I, I felt like you have to take shots sometimes. And sometimes those are, those are going to end in interceptions. But on the flip side, you know, he has to be able to make some of those, those lead some of those scoring drives too late in the game when it really matters. Yeah. Look, he has not been sacked that much, right? I mean, the way things are going on he offense, really you would think it's been a, a blitz after blitz situation. It hasn't. I mean, Mills has not gone down that many time, times. I think it was only one sack on Sunday. Uh, he's been getting the ball out, but unfortunately not accurately enough and you know, not enough yardage, not enough point production in the fourth quarter. All right, I have one more quick hit. We heard about the Pro Bowl getting a makeover. One of my kids came home from school, and that was the first thing they told me when they walked in the door. So kids are excited about it, guys. (laughs) I don't know about adults, but the kids are excited that the Pro Bowl is now going to culminate in a flag football game after a week week of player skills competitions. I bring it up because on the the Manning cast last night, Peyton said that he's going to make it fun. He's actually a part of this entire oh, that's um, good. This entire Pro Bowl thing, and he's going to be one of the coaches. He's going to be part of the coaching staff good. for the AFC versus NFC flag football game. He said, we're going to make it fun. We might have some beer chugging contests, hot dog eating by offensive linemen. We'll take suggestions. I'm here mm, for it. So they're not just limiting it to – It's not just football skills. Yeah, kicking and throwing no. the, lo- the ball the longest and all that stuff, well, most accurate. 
I, like I, I was thinking about this, and I didn't bring this up yesterday because we were really focused on Sunday's game. But does the name Robert Edwards mean anything to you? This was a player who ripped up a knee in a flag football game on the beach. Oh, or yeah, just a yeah. touch football Almost game. Almost had to have an amputator, right? On the beach in Hawaii, yes. So, I mean, the beach is a different deal. Playing football in the sand, and it's right. weird to run in the sand. It's not ideal. But I'm wondering how they feel about flag football because you can still get hurt. These guys are competitive. Nobody wants to lose. You know what we once did here at the practice bubble during a uh, business ops event? Walking football. You no, you this? Yes. yes, we did. Wait, was I here? Uh, I think yes, you were. You were I feel DP, like I vaguely But you were probably just, this. you know, socializing <laughs> I was and eating. eating. I was probably but we eating. had a walking football. You were not allowed <laughs> to That's jog. what they should do for the Pro Bowl. You had to just walk really fast. And if anybody was caught jogging, that was a penalty. And it was really funny because you'd run up fast and like walk, really walk, fast. walk, walk, walk. <laughs> but it was hilarious. You know, you'd have to place the ball just perfectly. And it looked like a bunch of British... Hello, we're playing walking football. He calls I don't know it walk why. football. It was just awkward football, really. It, it looks so awkward. I'm sure it looked awful. It awkward. Looked I, like we all had to go to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Why not do a walking flag football? I, walking I'm all, flag football with the NFL, flag players. Football, the NFL players. I don't think it's entertaining for other people. I don't know what you I do I think it would be this. really funny to watch. I, I, they're doing the right thing to get rid of the game. The game had to go. I thought maybe they could have done a thud-type game where, look, mm. let's just not really tackle, but... You know I think what? if it's not tackle, it's not football, so you can't yeah, even compete maybe. with that. We, we've all covered one. We've all covered a Pro Bowl, and I don't know about you guys, but the first time I was on the field and saw the action, I was stunned because we're on the field for regular season games. Yeah. It's, it's Like I said, it's violent, it's high collisions, all that stuff. I was on the field, and I looked up, and it looked like the offensive and defensive linemen going at it were playing patty cake, and I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't blame them. They didn't want to get hurt. There's nothing riding on this thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's a glaring reminder when you see that how much different game speed is versus that the playoffs the regular season the preseason and and gosh the pro bowl i think it's ripe for some great ideas i think you can mic up players in game you can put gopros on their head i remember i was at one pro bowl where they had a guy with a phone in game doing social media while he was running a route like i feel like there's so many opportunities for that i think it if, if peyton manning is coaching then maybe you get the coaching staff to do the announcing or something or to do the commentary behind it. I mean, just mix it up. Why, why do we have to fit in these roles No for flag football? You're right. Why do we you, have to follow any rules at all? You can do anything. You can do it. The sky's the limit for this, so why not do it? It's yeah. funny what you just said, Drew, because I, I remember the same kind of thing when I first saw the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. And then I saw the one in Phoenix, and they played harder. The first one really? they had on, a ma- on the mainland in a long time. They played a little bit harder. The crowd was really into it, and I think that was a big factor. Watt was at that one, and Jay McDevitt and I uh, covered that one. But I remember 09. I was at the 09 game in Miami. Oh, yeah. And D'Amico, so that wasn't the first one back in the mainland anyway. The one in Miami in 09. And D'Amico went nuts relative to Pro Bowl play, right? In the context of a Pro Bowl, he was really playing hard. That was one where Schaub was the Pro Bowl MVP. He was really playing pretty hard, and I thought, did he get the memo that this is the Pro Bowl and you're not supposed to go all out? Because the Pro Bowl's weird if a defensive player wins MVP unless you have, like, 10 picks. Well, I know the game check was a lot bigger for the winners than the losers, so that might have had a little role in it. Didn't you, yeah. did you say Antonio Smith turned it on a little bit, too, once oh, he Antonio realized there was, mon- it on, once yeah. there was money on the line? In yeah. the 12 Pro Antonio, Bowl? Antonio, yes, yeah, and... So, yeah, the 11th season just finished, so it was January 12th. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he played in both – he had 
two Pro Bowls. Pro, yeah, probably so. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's, now it's in Vegas. I feel like I want to cover a uh, of course Pro Bowl you do. in Vegas. Of course you got you do. it. You're, you're going. Are we going to get some guys Are we going to get some guys game? there? Well, maybe Jerry Hughes with his 22.67 See, sacks. Jerry Hughes breaks the NFL Come record. Come on, Jerry Hughes. We're rooting maybe for you. Maybe Damian Pierce if he breaks loose like we're talking about. Yeah, that why possibility not? Please do. Happening. Why not? Let's take a break. Let's come back. Let's talk more Chargers. Texans coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back, Texans All Access. We usually go around the league at the end of the show, but I thought one important point of note, the, the Hurricane Ian, mm-hmm. Ian headed for Tampa Bay, has really put things in disarray for Florida. I feel like as Houstonians, we can empathize with oh, things absolutely. like this. Mm-hmm. So it appears that the Tampa Bay Bucks are now practicing in Miami because Miami has an away game. So they've moved their practices there, and they might actually have to move their game against the Chiefs to a neutral site if things continue to get worse through Sunday. So they might play at a neutral site in, like, Minneapolis or something. Has any team ever had a good season when dealing with a hurricane or having a game relocated? i got to imagine it's happened, but I don't have anything off the top of my head because with the Texans, every time there's been a hurricane, (laughs) it's been a bad season or a rough season. 08 was supposed to be a good season. Week two, you had Ike to deal with, right? And that forced postponement of a game, which luckily the Ravens and the Texans had the same bye week, and they were supposed to play that week. So they moved the game to their bye week, right? But that meant the Texans really got no bye week because even though you're week, off that a week. week two bye is the worst Yeah, and it's a week two bye where you're dealing with the hurricane aftermath, yeah. right? And it was Ike, which was a really big deal, as opposed to 05, which was Rita. And that wasn't a big deal, but everyone thought it was going to be a big deal because they saw the video from Katrina right. a few weeks before, and they were freaking out. That's when you had everyone on the road stranded for 24 hours. Did that the, game get canceled? That was it like No, it did not because or? that was... Um, it might have been like right before the season. I think it was... I forget. It was after... I know it was after, obviously, after Katrina, and I remember getting back from the fourth preseason game from Tampa, and that's when the evacuees were in the Dome. And I remember yeah, we were getting back happened. that night, and the Dome was buzzing. But regardless, so the, it, it was not a good season. It was not a good point, season. 05 yeah. was 2-14. and 14. And then Harvey hits. 17. We all know about that. Yeah. We're in Dallas, stranded there for a few days, and that was, you know, we had the good part of it, and everyone's back here dealing with it. We wanted to come help, and we did eventually. But I remember talking to Bill O'Brien, and I said, you might want to call Kubiak to see, you know, the what I didn't phrase it this way, but the do's and don'ts of hurricane coach management because <laughs> uh, we had a rough time with it in 08. And he's like, thanks a lot, Vandy. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's joking I'll around. No. He's joking around like, what happened? You know, I told him, he's like, oh, thanks. And, uh, and what ensued was actually a great start that season with Watson and everything, but then he got hurt, you know, the rest of the story, 4-12. and 12. So hurricane records for the Texans, major yeah. hurricane involvement, 2-14, and 8-8, eight and eight, but it was a 3-7 and seven start. Right. And it was 4-12 and 12 in it 2017. It was 4-12. And, and, and that, I remember we had just come back from West Virginia. We had like a couple of days. We were going to the Saints practice facility for joint oh, practices. Yeah. And I remember, because I kind of freak out with hurricanes, I mean, I'm not native to Houston, so it still freaks me out a bit. And I said, is anybody worried about this big storm in the Gulf? And a few people said, yeah, it looks bad. I remember talking to Greg Bailey. He was telling me what their weather report said. He's like, oh, yeah, it looks bad. But yet here we were getting ready to head to New Orleans for three, four days for practicing. So Yeah, but they I didn't mean, think it was going to be that bad. I remember having, convers- it looks bad. All right, having conversations with ABC 13. We knew the hurricane itself was bad. 
but we didn't think Houston was going to suffer the brunt of it about two or three days out. It was still eh, because we had but a broadcast know. to manage with them, and we, you, we had to decide whether right. to do the the box inside the game and you know do that whole thing, <laughs> you know, like the OJ car chase during the NBA Finals, and you know do the weather report during the game. How do we handle this with the broadcast? Because there was going to be a game; the game would be played. How do we handle the broadcast? There were a lot of conversations about that. I was in all of them, and at the time, a couple of days out, we thought that's okay. But then that night, it was clear. Uh oh. This is way worse than we thought. We were going to fly home originally during the game during the hurricane if we could have beat it. It was well, it was actually right, going during the, the same g- time. Well, about the 2 hours before the game it was thought we're going to go home tonight. We'll make it. And then a couple hours go by, we're not going home tonight. Yeah, but we didn't know until Bill O'Brien in the yes. in the post-game press conference, the third question was about the hurricane. The first two were about Tom Savage and how he looked. And then the third <laughs> question, I think it was from John McClain's like what are you guys going to do about the hurricane? And then very nonchalantly, O'Brien said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, oh, yeah, uh, we can't go back to Houston. We're going to fly to Dallas instead. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, he said, what? We're, he said, we're praying for Houston. We're going to Dallas. Right, right, right. And we ended up at Dallas. And I got to say, the football ops team did an outstanding job Brilliant. of putting us up that night. We checked into a hotel at like 2 in the morning, and we just got in. And that's a lot of people you're moving around mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. Uh, and we all did laundry the next day. The laundry party was a lot of fun <laughs> because we had like four days worth of dirty laundry and we didn't know how long we were going to be out. And we yeah. all had this, you know, and as a woman, I'm like, I just really need some clean clothes. Maybe yeah. everybody else is going to rewear their dirty Guys underwear, are like, but yeah. uh, we, we went to a laundromat, had a laundry party. And that, you know, that, that I'll never forget sitting in the lobby of that hotel and think, you know, we all felt so helpless. All the TV screens were on what was going on in Houston and be, feeling so helpless. And we we're just thinking... You know, we're worried about our family. We're worried about everybody in Houston and what can we do to help. Gosh, I wish we could help. We're just so far away. And then J.J. Watts up there on, like, ESPN and CNN saying, I'm going to donate 100000 if anybody wants to donate to my GoFundMe. And I'm looking at J.J. and I'm like, that's in this hotel. Yeah. Like, that looks like my room, yeah. except it's his room. Yeah. And then $37 million later, we all know how that ended. But I think that, if I learned anything out of that entire experience— it was no matter how helpless you feel in a situation, you can always ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were going My there. life lesson here. <laughs> you can always ask for money. You can always ask people for you money. You can always help others, DB. Yeah, That's that too, the that lesson. Too, that that too. too. They just that might too. not respond in the same way. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. I don't have the JJ. <laughs> DP's on Twitter. <laughs> I have seven dollars and ninety-five cents so it far really donated. Yes, it's slow but steady wins the race. Cricket sounds, yeah. All right, uh, and another good news, well, good news slash somewhat good news, uh, Texans' run defense has been a big talking point all week for the last few weeks about how many yards they've allowed. Mm. I was looking at some of these stats for the Chargers, you guys. Uh, their run game is not looking so hot right now. They only put up 26 yards rushing last week against the Jaguars. They are averaging 59 yards rushing per game. That's last in the NFL, and they're only averaging 2.64 yards per carry. Also last in the NFL. Well, a lot of thoughts here. Is this the game that the Texans are in defense can get back on track? Well, the Chargers are probably sitting there in L.A. right now saying, hey. (laughs) We get back on track. (laughs) We can get back on track. So, look, they've got a lot of talent there. They do. But you mentioned their offensive line injury issues. By the way, did Scotty Quesenberry start for them against us last year? I think he did. Might have, yeah. Yeah. So, I think that – 
Look, who knows? That this It's a great question. It's definitely worth bringing up that they've had trouble running the ball. Now, against the Jags, the game gets away from them, right? So they're passing a bunch with their injured quarterback. Which and is also- I just believe that when you look at what they've got at quarterback, if you're calling plays for the Chargers, it is hard not to say, let's press that Herbert button again because this is fun. And on top of that, yes, 2.6, not a good average. Also got to remember... They throw to Eckler quite a bit. He gets a lot of touches catching the ball. I think he had Mm. nine catches last week and uh, I think around a dozen combined in the first two weeks. So he's going to get the ball. Not always going to be handoffs, but it's something you still have to contend with. So the running back spot, still a dangerous, dangerous position for them. It's just... They're not 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 the uh, conventional way. They're not running it uh, like like they probably like to, but they still use him. It's almost it's almost the inverse of the Bears' offense that we faced last mm-hmm. week. Herbert is a passing quarterback, and then the the Bears' run game actually was eighth in the NFL. They they did a good job with David Montgomery, and it seemed uh, well. We found out every other back on that roster was also very successful in running the ball. But this team struggles with the run game, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see which. Which team fares well on, on the ground? I mean, are the Texans going to have a better running game? Are the Chargers going to have a running game? Both teams have sort of struggled on the run. I think the Texans are obviously trending in a better direction. Chargers are trending downward. Um, another point of note, this defense tied for fifth in the NFL in sacks. Mm-hmm. Ten sacks. I know, Mark, you'd mentioned that might be the best start or one of the best starts as far as the pass rush goes. And then you're dealing with a banged-up O-line plus Justin Herbert that's injured. Is this a team that's going to be well-suited for this pass rush to face? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you get some hay made that way against Herbert, like you did last year where you did very well against him. I don't like that last year occurred relative to this year's game because they are not taking anything lightly, and you never really do in the NFL, I think. Maybe sometimes it works out that way with certain teams and certain performances you see week to week. Did the Chiefs take the Colts lightly? They shouldn't have. The Colts are loaded with talent. Did the Chargers take the Texans lightly last year? I don't know. The Texans were coming off a victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they shouldn't have been. But that's human nature sometimes. Maybe the Texans match up pretty well against this team. We'll see how it goes. I think they probably, yeah, this Texans bunch right now against this Chargers bunch right now, yeah, they probably do match up better than most instances. But to your point, Chargers are definitely not going to get broadsided by the Texans this time around. There's no way, basically after what you just said, it happened in very recent memory, very late last season, and it really, I mean, it kept them from, from going to the playoffs. They were on their way to going it to the playoffs. Sure, yeah. sure did, yeah. And it sort of hamstrung them the rest of the way. So, yeah, you're not going to broadside them, but you're still you're still matching up pretty darn well with them based on their injuries and based on what you do versus what they do well. All right, so do you remember what date this game was played on last year, by the way? Because Right after I, Christmas? I, I, yeah, right after Christmas. I had to look it up because it felt like – in my memory, like, yeah, that was like late November, maybe early <laughs> December. And it's the day after Christmas. And I'm thinking, what? The 17 game schedule definitely elongates things. I mean, it literally does, but it also makes a game like this seem like, yeah, it's about three quarters of the way through. It just in my mind. And that's memory, the last game of the year sometimes, that, that 27, It used to be. Yeah, it yeah, used yeah. to be a long time ago. Anymore. Yeah. But uh, now we're going into January and. Buckle up, because when they go to 18 games, I believe this thing's going to the oh, end of January, and you're going to play the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend or beyond. All right, well, let's go around the NFL. We got some news. A former Texans quarterback is going to make his start on Sunday. That's all coming up. One final segment of Texans All Access. 
Welcome back. One final segment of Texans All Access. Before the break, I teased it. A former Texans quarterback is going to make his start on Sunday. To which Drew replied. Tom Savage? <laughs> no, it's not Tom Brock? Savage. <laughs> Brock would be interesting. No, Brian Hoyer. He's going to make his first oh, start yes. since 2020, and that's because Patriots quarterback Mac Jones suffered a high ankle sprain at the end of their Sunday loss to Baltimore. So, you know, what's funny is I was looking at Brian Hoyer's stats. He has only started one game for the Patriots in all of his years there. How only dare one. they not play him? How dare they not and play him more? spent so much time. Well, they had a guy named Tom Brady for most of that time. Hey, speaking of Brian Hoyer, I don't know that I ever discussed this with you two because mm-hmm. it happened so long ago, but 2017 season, Jags are really, really good. Right. And they play the Patriots in the AFC title game that year. Yes. And before that title game, someone from the Buffalo Bills Mafia, so Bills Mafia, mm-hmm. a fan, took a tweet that I had from back in 2015, in which I just tweeted, Brian Hoyer will we'll start, start versus Jacksonville. And they just retweeted that. And they had a, a prominent enough following <laughs> that a lot of people took that literally and thought, Brady's that had just out. Been, that had just been tweeted. You know, that they thought it mm-hmm. was a day-old tweet and not a two-year-old tweet. And they, this thing is the most viral tweet that I ever had go out there. I mean, it had thousands and thousands and thousands of retweets, comments. I mean, I got attacked on Twitter for it. And I didn't know what to do. I was like pumping gas when I saw it for the first time. And I was like, I'm just going to lay out on this one and stay silent. But yeah. That, That's that, almost... That got some uh, run. That, that's that's pretty good, but that's not as good as Mark's birthday tweet from 2013 when he announced a trade. Yeah, but that wasn't my tweet. <laughs> hacked. Yeah, yeah. Somebody hacked me. What was Mine the trade was a again? legitimate tweet. It was just two years old, and people were thinking it was how many? You know, how much engagement did you get on it? How many retweets? Thousands. Really? Uh, easily the most yeah retweeted thing that wow. I ever did. Oh yeah. yeah, mine got a ton because I not me the hacker said that we traded Matt Schaub to the <laughs> Cleveland Browns for Josh Gordon. This is in 2013 13, yeah. when things are starting to go a little iffy at best for Schaub. This was after the <laughs> Seattle game when we're headed out oh, to San wow, Francisco. Wow. That's right. It was so embarrassing. I deleted it. It was my birthday. <laughs> so it makes it so So funny. my phone was blown. I was giving my kid a bath, and my phone's like, zzz, zzz, like it's smoking. I'm like, oh, it's my birthday. Mark's like, all these people wanting to wish me Finally, happy it's birthday. ringing, and it's Tanya Ganguly, and I thought, what is this? Why so, is she wishing me a this, happy this birthday? This seems something's up. So I answered it. She said, have you been hacked? I'm like, I'll call you back. Meanwhile, the kid's like trying to learn how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> what was Liam at that point? Like six months old. I'm like, you'll be fine in the bath. I got to deal with this tweet. So I deleted it. My, my favorite. It was just a perfect storm because it was Mark's birthday. Who Mark turns off his Facebook notifications because so many people wish him a happy birthday. So you just assumed... All these media people were calling yeah. to wish you a happy birthday. Wow. Um, yeah. But wow. they were not. But you, you know, know, ever since then, Mark's so paranoid when he tweets. Mm-hmm. I think Luke told us, me and Drew once, that when my dad tweets, he will keep checking his phone and he won't let anyone touch him when he's on his phone because oh, yeah. he's afraid that we might bump a key and he might type it I in his Luke, Luke added on to that that <laughs> he and I guess he and Liam will, will kind of like jab at you to yeah. mess with you. Yeah. It, it gets you furious. Yes, they do so, do that. They do yeah. that. And then I had that. That botched tweet with hard knocks, right? When I did hashtag <laughs> hard knocks, an and I forgot the uh, I forgot the N. 
<laughs> of all but, the letters, but they I leave caught out. that. That was caught very quickly by J.P. Shadrick of the Jags. No, what did he do? No, he, he liked it. He liked it or re- no, he liked it. I don't even think he retweeted. He it. liked it, and then I noticed. Oh, I noticed it because I was putting it on Instagram, and my phone just did this. You know, it knows what you just wrote, so it's like, oh, is this what you want to say again? I was like, I wrote that on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I deleted it before it got out. Thank goodness. An that could have been a career spelling ender. error. Uh, by the way, Hoyer, after he left here, he was 15 and 11 as a starter in this league with the Texans and the Browns, and he was 0 for 1 with the Cardinals. That was after three years in New England. But after he left the Texans, things started to get a little rougher for him. Chicago, 1 and 4, and then just doesn't really win another game ever. <laughs> the last time he won a game was with the Bears in 2016. So the Patriots are going to give him a go. Look, he's got a lot of talent. You know, he can throw the football. And we'll see what happens with them. I'm not really look. I can't say I'm rooting for him because I hate the Patriots like poison. Eh, like Brian's a good guy. Hope he plays well and they lose. But you know, I just am surprised that they have not found another backup quarterback. I mean, maybe they want like a Matt Schaub situation where it's just a guy that's been in the league a long, veteran. long time. You know, he can a play. Veteran guy. Brian can play. He can make plays for you. There's no doubt. Okay. So. Well, we'll see what happens with the Patriots on Sunday because it seems like Mac Jones might be out for a little while with the high ankle sprain. Yeah, and he threw three picks in that loss to the Ravens. Look, it's going rough for the second-year quarterbacks except for Trevor Lawrence right now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this is kind of a week-to-week thing. Let's see if uh, we can get better results this weekend. Lots of season left to play. Lots of Texans radio left as well. Johnny Harris will be up next with Texans matchup. He's going to look back at the Bears, look ahead to the Chargers. It's all coming up. You can check out HoustonTexans.com for all of our coverage this week. And, guys, that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thanks Thank so much. you. Thanks Good to so be much with for you. listening, and go Texans.